Let's get into this morning. So this morning, I want to start off a little bit of um, just a recap of what God has been doing. I think for all of us, we've been seeing God move in different ways. In the communities, we've been seeing God move in terms of like people praying for one another, getting jobs, people praying for each other, getting healed, being baptized, seeing depression and deliverance and all kinds of things happening in communities. On our Sunday mornings, we've had amazing time of where God has just come in and moved and has done a great work in us. And I think for each and every one of us that's, that sits here, is we all can testify of this, is that the, we can feel that there's something in the air that God is busy doing. Amen. And in that, there's something of, there's an expectation in our hearts for what is this going to look like? And we've been preaching into it and saying like, hey, we're ready for it and we want to posture ourselves the right way for it. We've had Andrew come and preach on this is that and preparing us for what is to come and how we need to make sure that we're ready so that when the, the Spirit of God comes that we can move with God. And in that, we've seen God come and time upon time come and, 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 and solidify and remind us again of the fact that He loves us. That He chose me and you to be His people, to be His children. And that He's taken us out of darkness and He brought us into this beautiful place of family and of love. We've heard like to love one another is something of a love that God comes and pours out in our hearts. It's not something that we conjure up in ourselves because you know and I know that we don't have actually what it takes to love my brother. No, no, no. I need Jesus to come and work in my heart that I'm able to love my brother. Because I will always find something where they fall short or I fall short. And if it's not for the love of Jesus working in me, I, I'm, I'm going to fail at this. And that's both the scary thing, but it's also the beautiful thing. It's that as we see this coming together and working together, what we find actually like if, when this starts working and people start enjoying it, actually this is, this is that. This Jesus is in our midst and we're seeing him working. It's not just the big things. It's not just the fire and the brimstone and the temple that's being struck by lightning and everything was gone. No, no, no. It's actually in the small things we find that God comes and He enables us to love one another. He enables us to forgive each other. He enables us to take chances again with one another. And those are evidences of God's love being poured out. And so we've, over this time... Heard just what that love looks like. Last week, Brett spoke about that connection that we have with one another and with God. Actually, that's what that love being worked out looks like. It's, it's we are connected. Not just a beautiful pinky toe with cutex. No, no, it's a whole body. And that's the beauty of this. I praise God that it's not about me. Like, that's the most beautiful thing, that it's not about me, that it's about Him. And so, this morning, I want to kind of kick off on that place. Because I believe that God's love is meant to work in us. And really, take all of this and just make it a place that we love to be, and love to people that we love to be with. But if that's going to be the end of it... We're probably going to miss a big, big portion of God's love. 
If we are just settling for a church and for a place where we come, where we feel accepted and we feel part of and we feel that everybody is our friend and we feel that we're family, that, that's a part of it. But if we just settle for that, I believe we'll be missing. It's like that is the tip of the iceberg. You all know the story of an iceberg. It's got a tip and then there's the rest of this mountain of ice that's under the water. And I believe the mountain of ice that is under the water of God's love is not how beautiful this looks, but it's how God's love is working here and pushing us from here to out there. And there's something of God's love that we will experience and see and that will come become known to us in the moment that we're not just about here but we actually start looking about what's out there. And so we see this in Scripture. I'll quickly read you. Um, I don't think the Scripture is with you, so that's fine, Mike. Um, Mike is a guy that's not this Mike, but that Mike. Behind in the AV, so don't worry, Mike. Um, Jesus speaking in John 14, verse 31, he says this, But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that, many, so that the world may know that I love the Father. And you'd be going like, what do you mean with that? Now see, Jesus was not just about being part with the Father, not just about being part with the people that believe Him. No, it's like He's saying, like, I do what the Father commands me to do. So there's a doing, and in the doing, what is shown is that He loves the Father. I mean, and so in the same way for us sitting here this morning, there's something of a doing that needs to happen. And unless that doing is happening, people will not see and it will not become known to the world out there that actually we do love the Father. There is something of Scripture, I'm just balancing it a little bit, but there is Scripture that speaks of the way that we love one another, the world out there sees that we are the Father's children. Amen? So there is that part as well. But this morning I want to say that that part is the small tip of the iceberg. The bigger tip or the bigger body is how we look out to the world out there. I mean, this morning in prayer meeting, there was um, a, a word that came. Um, Sean Paddock brought the word of a car that is in neutral. And the car is in neutral and someone's raving it. And you know, like if it's a neutral, you're going to push that petrol as much as you want to. It's just going to go, wah, wah, but it's not going to move anywhere. And that is sometimes a picture of how we live this Christian life. Like actually God wants us in gear. He wants us to move forward. He doesn't want us to just go, wah, wah. I'm going to rag a bit on, on, on Kurt. Where's Kurt? There he sits at the back. He's got this car. And you hear that car coming a mile away. <laughs> and he kind of has to just sometimes warm it up a little bit. So he, like when he starts, like, wah, wah, wah. But the, the wah, wah, it sounds amazing, but it doesn't go fast and it doesn't actually move. <laughs> but God's heart for me and for you is that we move forward. So we move forward. And so this morning, my... Um, title for this morning is this, 
Not Christians, but disciples. So for some of us, we think of Christians and disciples as the same thing. This morning, I'm going to say to us, it's not the same thing. I know this might sound strange to you, and I will qualify what I'm saying. I don't want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple. I've got no business in my life being a Christian. My life is committed to being a disciple. Amen. John 15, verse 19 to 20 says this. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep also keep yours. Jesus was a man that was never just accepted where he was. It's like the majority of people, his social status was very much like, that guy is trouble. (laughs) Especially from people looking from the outside. But as they came to meet with him, they found something that is filled, someone that is filled with love and filled with just something that's not of this world. In recent days, I've really been so aware of just how broken and dark the world is out there. And it can easily overwhelm us. But I want to say to us that Jesus came not to just lighten up this world. No, no, no. He's come to save us from this world into a new life and into a new light and a world that is to come. And I was... (laughs) I was sitting on the radio yesterday um, in traffic, and this lady was speaking about about this concert that was happening. Oh, I'm not going to mention names. Um, and just saying to you, and it's a whole bunch of Christians going to this concert, concert, and saying that the people just shouldn't get agitated, and they should just calm down because there are things, and it's rain, and it's traffic, and it's all kinds of things. And as I was thinking of this, just thinking of what the Lord has been doing in my heart and what I believe God is saying for us, it just so beautifully painted this picture for me of where the world has found a place of where Christians actually can exist almost without the power of God. And it's as long as they stay in that lane and as long as they submit to those things, like we'll accept them. But for those people that actually want to stick to the Word of God and want to stick to the things of God, for them, there's no place. If you speak about any homosexuality, if you speak about any other gods and say that, that that there's no other gods... Then all of a sudden you come into this place of where, where, where you need to really count your words. Something that I'm not doing right now. Because <laughs> I'm not interested in that. Now I'm interested in the truth of who God is. 
And that means that even sometimes what looks to be Christian is actually very far from who Jesus is. We've got churches that's saying that, and I'm sorry for this, you can, if, if it does something in your heart, come and speak to me afterwards. If you feel like I'm being hard or harsh, please come and speak. I'm not trying to be harsh. But some churches that are open for homosexuals to, to marry, like scripture is clear. And trying to find ways to be inclusive so that we can be more acceptable to the world out there. Thinking that if the world accepts us, then we'll only be successful. Or we'll be, we'll be able to really preach the gospel. But the moment that we come from the place and need the world to accept us, we've already lost the battle in preaching the gospel. See, modern day Christianity is all about status. I know I felt it in school, like some, some, and it's even these days, as dark as the days are, there's still something of, oh, those are the Christians, you know. People look at those things, and people put those things on their CVs. I served in, a, in a, the Christian council of the school, and this, and people look at that, and then when they see, oh, this guy did this Christian thing, and this guy's serving in the church here, and he's this kind of leadership, all of a sudden, immediately, go, okay, cool, we, can, we should trust this guy. So there's a measure of status that comes, especially in a country like South Africa. We're still very much religious like that. This fame, this concert, super huge fame. I work with many worship leaders. And man, for them, they see these CDs and the videos on YouTube, and they just go like, if I get to do that, then I'm effective for God. And I actually go like, no, you're not. It's actually way more difficult for them to be effective for God than what it is for you right now. Because God's perspective looks very different. And we're going to get into that. There's money, there's fame. We see all over South Africa, we were watching a movie the other day, and one, of, one brand that always like, digs things um, brought out this ad, and uh, there was this pastor sitting and eating chicken. And like the chicken was so good that he realized like he can actually probably preach the gospel with the sauce that they put on this chicken and probably spray it on people. But they were taking just the mickey with certain things. And there's money. There's money available. It's like you see some of the churches and some of this thing on, on, on Instagram called preachers and sneakers. Or sneakers and preachers. And it's all about these big preachers with big churches and famous lines and the clothes and the shoes that they are wearing. And now some of these shoes are probably more than my salary for a year. And some of the jackets, it's like, and there's this whole culture of what it looks like to be successful in the kingdom. And people look at that and they go like, that it must be what it needs to look like. But some of you have been in my home. When you come to my home, I won't be as neat as this. This is going to be as neat as you're going to get me. And it's more for you than what it is for me. Honestly. When you come to my home, I'm in pants, short pants usually, and a t-shirt, and slops. 
Because God doesn't look at our clothes and go, this is a man that is serious about me. See, Jesus called us not to be Christians when he came. He called us to be his disciples and to go and make disciples of the world. So with that in mind, I want to say this. What matters is not that the world sees us as Christians, but that Jesus knows us as his disciples. I'm going to say that again, because I think you need to think about what I'm saying. What matters most is not that the world sees us as Christians, but rather that Jesus knows me and you as his disciples. See, you can look like you want to to the world, and in this day, But one day, you're going to stand in front of Jesus, and all the Christian, everything that you've had, and that you've built on, and plucked on, and stitched together, is not going to be the thing that he's going to decide who you are. No, he says, on that day, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, hey, we've driven out demons. We've raised the dead. We've healed the sick. We've done all these things in your name. Everything that we look at and go, when somebody does that, it must mean that they know Jesus. And he says, all those things, some are going to come to me. And when they come to me, I'm going to say to them, go away from me. Why? For I do not know you. So what is important for me and for you is that Jesus knows me and he knows you. And not in the way of, because we know that he knows the amount of hair on your head. I've made this joke too many times. I'll make it again. Some more, some less. Less more. <laughs> for Enrico, it's easy to know him. <laughs> Not that kind of knowing. No, 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 no. That place of where it's Helen. Can you come up quickly? That place where a husband and wife, like I, <laughs> I don't know why I want to cry, but like I know her. And I know she knows me. And it's not what you see, but it's these things that we know of one another that nobody else sees. And in that same way, God is calling me and you to be in that place with him of where we can go like, oh, Jesus, I know you. And as much as we see him in his eyes and we look at him, the way he looks back at us, we realize like actually he knows me. It's like there's not darkness, there's light. There's light that every kind of bit of darkness that's in me gets Chased away when his eyes looks at me and I just know, man, I know him and I love him and I find his love and I see his love and his love comes and it just radiates my soul and my heart. 
It's like he knows me. That's the kind of knowing. See, we are not called to look like this world. We're not called to be relevant to this world. We are not of this world. We are not. When you go back, and I'm jumping now in between my preach here, but you don't know that for me. I can see it here on my notes. <laughs> in Acts 26, you don't have to write it down. It's just mentioning it. You can go read it in your time. But in Acts 26, it's the first time that it speaks of Christians. And when it speaks of Christians, it speaks not of what Christians were calling one another. It speaks of what the world was calling those that follow Jesus' teachings. Kids, somehow, me and you make it this thing of, hey, that's a Christian, that's a Christian. But when the disciples were talking to one another, they were speaking of, that's a disciple, this is a disciple. The word Christian is mentioned three times in the New Testament. Only three times. The word disciple is mentioned 261 times. Not a Christian, a disciple. That's what Jesus has called us to do. And so today, I'm here to remind us of that thing. That we are disciples. That we are called to be disciples. Amen? So firstly, we are not of this world. We're in this world. And we've got to realize that everything in this world stands against the kingdom of God. There is ultimately two kingdoms. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. That is it. Light rules over the kingdom of darkness. It may not look like that to you right now. But I want to say to you, one day when Jesus comes back, all will be made known to us. And in that place, we'll see a light like no other. And I'm looking forward to that day. Secondly, we're not here to just be those that follow the teaching. Because that's why they called them Christians. It's those that follow the teachings of Jesus. No, no, no. We're here to look like Jesus. To become like Jesus. To take on the nature of Jesus. Amen? That is what being a disciple is. Being a disciple means that there's an outworking of the Spirit of Jesus in your life. I can tell you now, and my wife can tell you about me, but I can tell you about you. I love you. But, for some of us, there's areas in our lives that doesn't look like Jesus. And the moment anybody comes close to that, we start reacting. We go, who are you? Look at your life. 
Look at this. Look at that. We don't want people touching those things in our hearts, those things in our lives, where we've got focuses that doesn't line up with Jesus. And instead of bringing those things into the light, we protect those things. But the truth is this. The areas in our hearts that is not submitted to becoming, looking more like Jesus is places where darkness can rule. And actually where you take yourself out of the discipleship, not just of people and leaders and those saints around you, but you take yourself out of being discipled by the Holy Spirit. These areas in my heart that Helen would sometimes address to me, oh, Rian, this thing, you need, and then go, no, 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 you don't understand. I've got this and this reason. I do it also. But then I've got to realize, and when I sit down, I'm like, Pff. Lord, help me. I don't want to look like me. God, I don't, Rian needs to fade away. It's Jesus that needs to shine through. Rian is no one. He's no one. He's worth nothing. I guarantee you that. But Jesus in me is what needs to shine through. Jesus in me is what needs to work out in people's lives. I, as Rian, can do nothing. But Jesus working through me produces new life. And he's called us, he's called me, he's called you to mature in how we look like him. And there's areas in our hearts where we are not submitted to him. And it might be finances, and it might be your marriage, it might be in chasing off success, it might, might be even this thing that we're speaking about, like status. And I know I love you, but some of you, if I come to your house or the pastor is coming to my house, and all of a sudden, certain things need to be right. And sometimes, because certain things can't be right, you won't invite me to your house. <laughs> but do you know that I'm just a normal person? If I'm going to run, I'm going to sweat just like you. I don't levitate on my bed, I don't glow in the dark at night. It was the other day, um, <laughs> it's just a funny story, but the other day, on Wednesday evening, I was there by Jerome and Louisa in their house, and um, we were just chatting in the, in the kitchen, and I was holding my hand on the kitchen, on the kitchen counter like this, um, and Louisa was opening up a drawer, and as she opened up the drawer, I've, I don't know if you guys remember, I've got a finger that was broken, as I opened up the door, she opened up without seeing, it's not her fault, I love you. But she, she opened up the drawer, and it opened up right on my finger. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't swear, but I could have just as well. Because <laughs> it was sore. It was painful. I am normal. There's nothing about me that I have to give that is special. But yet... We put emphasis on certain things 
that just is not there in the Gospels. It's not there in the life of Jesus. It's not there in the what he wants for us as a church and as a people. In the disciples, there was no thing of, it's not everybody was disciples of Jesus. Because it's about Jesus. But my job and the job of the elders is here, and I'm saying job, not value, not worth, our job is here to disciple us as a congregation, as a people, as a family, into growing and maturing into the image of Jesus. So when the elder sits with you and go, hey, Bobby, let's use Bobby. Hey, Bobby, this thing that you're doing, I think it's not helpful to you. Or this way that you spend your money. Hey, man, have you thought of that? Well, maybe Bobby, I can use this example, because um, they're still here. But there was a time that Bobby wanted to go retire immediately, and he wanted to move to Langebaan, and none of the elders felt like, hey, that, that's not the Lord. <laughs> and we spoke to Bobby, and Bobby changed. Bobby shifted. Because he realized, and he, he knows this, that's why I can use him as an example, It's like he knows that the elders have his heart. And that we're trying to just hear Jesus for him. We're not ruling over him. We're not, he's the the one that leads his own life. One day God is going to come to Bobby and say, Bobby, what did you do with your life? And on that day, Bobby can't just say, no, no, I listen to the elders. God's going to go, who's the elders? No, no, no. God is going to say, Bobby, did you listen to me? And for us, as the elders and the leaders and your community leaders and the deacons, we're not meant to speak from our voices. No, we're meant to speak from the voice of God. And as we speak that, you, yourself, me, Rian, I still need to hear that voice of God and go, ah, there's something that I hear here. I hear something of Jesus' voice in what they are saying. Okay, I'm going to go and do it. That's the beauty of this. So our job is to grow and mature you in the image of Jesus. And I want to say this. We are not here to make you outwardly look like a Christian. It's not why we're here. And it's not what we are looking for. No, we are here to make you inwardly live a life of obedience to the Spirit of God. Through the Word of God. Through the Holy Spirit working inside of you. That's why we are here. Being a disciple is someone that lays down their life for their teacher and to become like him. Jesus, and in the time of Jesus, little boys, or mostly little boys, would study from a young age. They would study and study the first five books of the Bible. And they would read it and learn it off by heart. So by 13 years old, a young Jewish boy or Hebrew boy would be able to actually recite to you the first five books of the Bible. Anybody can do it here? 
I cannot. <laughs> Do you know what the five books of the Bible is? The first five books? <laughs> let's, not, let's not ask questions we don't want answers to, okay? No. So, so that would happen, and they would teach him in the way, in, in the word. And then a, a rabbi would come, a teacher would come and would look at the boys and have been watching them as they were studying, and then he would go and he would say, like, hmm, Yurik, I think Yurik can look like me. Follow me. And so Yurik would follow me. Hmm, Enrico, I wonder. I don't think he can look like me. He's a bit dark. <laughs> I'm joking. Now, Yurik, he can't follow me. Ach, Enrico. <laughs> Enrico can't follow me. And so what would then happen is Enrico would then go back to where his father was. And if his father had a trade, he would go and pick up that trade and start learning that trade. And so only certain people were chosen. So when we look at the disciples... The disciples were not boys. They were grown men. And all of them had what? A trade. They were the ones that were not chosen. So then when Jesus came to him, to them, he would say, Hey, Peter, leave those nets. Come and follow me. And what they would do in that moment is that was a familiar Sound. It was a familiar question, a familiar instruction to them. Because it's how they've been brought up. And then they would leave their trade and they follow Jesus. But in the leaving their trade and following Jesus, they had to turn away from the life that they knew, which was fishing. Or Do you guys get that? And that has not changed. Jesus still today, when he comes to us and he says, follow me, he's asking you to leave everything behind. He's saying, you leave this world behind. Follow me. And that's that scripture that we read in the beginning. It's like, we are not of this world. He's chosen us out of this world. One of the most prominent disciples and probably what many people would say one of the most important disciples, other than Jesus, literally people say this, is Paul. Why? Because Paul was the guy that wrote so much of the New Testament. Some, it's like other than Jesus, you would hear Paul quote it the most. <laughs> and we look at these things and we go like, oh, Paul, he was the guy. Because for us, our perspective is importance, and it's status, and it's, that's how we look from a worldly perspective. But, this morning, I want to speak to us about how Paul got saved. Because Paul got saved. He wasn't born a Christian, or born a disciple. No, no, no. He was made into a disciple of the Hebrew religion, and he was chosen. It says there, Paul says that he was trained by Galil, and Galil was like the teacher of teachers. And Paul was chosen, he was then Saul, and he was saying, Saul, you are the man that's going to look like me. 
And man, Saul was this guy that was, he was trained, he was learned. And, and wherever he went, people knew Saul is here. And they would fear Saul. But then Saul started hearing about the Christians from his people. The Christians, these people that follow Jesus. And they're actually blaspheming and they not the true religion. And he came after them and he killed many Christians and thrown Christians into, into prison. And he was chasing after the disciples. Until one day. Until one day where he came face to face with Jesus. So, I'm going to read for us out of Acts 9 from verse 3. And you can follow on the board or on the, not the board, the TV. Sorry, I'm back in 1990. Um, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. I think I'm, yeah, I'm reading out of the New King James. That's right. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. He was on his way to Damascus, ready to go persecute and just chop off a whole lot of disciples and people. And then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Soul, soul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And it was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. We're going to just stop there for a moment. He comes on this road, sees a light shining around him, and him and everybody with him hears an audible voice, and he falls to the ground, because this is the living God speaking to him, and God speaks to him and has this whole altercation, and when he comes back from that or stands up from it, he opens up his eyes, but it's like he can't see, he's blind. crazy. See, without God, as much as we feel like we can see, we can't actually see. And in that moment, God showed Paul, Saul, how much he couldn't see. And actually how blind he really is. But, God has a plan. And it's a beautiful plan. Verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision. So just before, you know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. It's not that Ananias, okay. That Ananias, and Ananias was, and I just say, just so that we don't get confused. But Ananias is like a name like Jacob of Quibus in Afrikaans. It's like everybody's name is Quibus, not Quibus. Quibus, where's Quibus? There's Quibus. 
Okay, it's a very, it's a very general, generic name. Generic is not the right word, but well known. And Ananias already died in, in chapter 5. Okay, so just, he, he's no longer there with us. This was another Ananias, okay. And the Lord said, in a vision, Ananias. And Ananias answered him, he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Can you see? Can you hear? Like he's going like, God, do you know who is this man? Like I'm gonna go to him and I'm gonna go to his party of people, and they are probably either gonna lock me up or chop me up. One of the two. Like, this guy is serious business, God. Ananias, and God then speaks to Ananias. But the Lord said to him, go. <laughs> For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. It's interesting how he calls him. He calls him already brother. He doesn't know yet what's going to happen. <laughs> but he invites him into the family. He calls him brother. Where am I now? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you, on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Amazing story. Like, we can so quickly look into the loudest voice, even in the Bible, Paul being a loud voice, and think that is what it must be to be faithful in God. And then we miss the small things, which is Ananias. See, we look at Paul and we go, look at what he's done for God. When I look at this, I see, look at Ananias. Look at what his life opened up to the world, to generations, by being obedient. By saying, here I am, Lord. He didn't preach to thousands. He didn't plant millions of churches. He didn't write a single book in the Bible. 
There's only two scriptures, Acts 9 and Acts 22. And I'm going to go to Acts 22, where it mentions his name. Only twice that mentions his name. But yet, if not for Ananias, that was obedient to the voice of God, where would we be today? What would be the message that would come to us? Where would Paul have been if not for him? And the thing that marks Ananias is not that he was trying to look a certain way. It's not that he just knew Jesus. And he knew that when he comes and he calls on him, that the first response is to answer and say, here I am, Lord, to follow you. Ananias said yes to God before God even told him what he must do. How beautiful is that? I know I'm not always there. I don't always say yes to God before. He, I'm like, Lord, you need to tell me what you want to do here before I, like, I need stuff. I, I need, I my wife I need to care for, my children I need to care for, my own life I need to keep safe. Lord, just help me here. You've got to tell me before I'm going to say yes to you. And the Lord speaks to Ananias, and Ananias is just like, here I am, Lord. Ready. So quickly, our time is running out. We want to read to you Acts 22, where it speaks again of Ananias. And this is now Paul speaking about the day of his conversion. Beautiful story in Acts 22. It says in this, verse 12, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For he will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Ananias. When I look into this room, there might be some Pauls. But man, God only needs an Ananias. And for you and for me, we can oftentimes look into this wall, I want to call it a wall, of what we think Christianity is about. And think that this is what it needs to look like. This is what faithful looks like. This is what successful looks like. But actually what God looks like, or what God looks for in these things, is not Christianity. It's disciples. God is not looking for Christians. He's looking for disciples. And so I want to leave with us four things. I'm ending off with this. Four things of what a disciple looks like. And these things are not, it's not an extensive, exhaustive list. It's just for now. There's no use in eating a whole big massive cake. You eat it piece by piece. Amen. So, I'm going to give us four small little pieces. A disciple is devoted. What does that mean? 
When Paul speaks of Ananias, he said, a devout man, according to the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? I don't have my, I don't have a, it's the Bible, just imagine, Bible. Like being devoted to the word of God. Why are we devoted, devoted to the word of God? Is it because it's the Bible and now we have to be? No, 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 no. No, this is the word of the one who saved my soul. Where me and you, and maybe some of you this morning, have experienced his voice speaking to us. And as his voice spoke to us, we found life. We found this freshness that's coming into our hearts that we go like, I've never seen this love. I've never experienced this, this, this life, this place where I can breathe. Yes, it's that man, it's his words, it's his word to us. And so in reading our Bible and getting into the scriptures, we're coming into a place of where we get to find his voice. We get to have the Holy Spirit come and make those words on pages. There's just words on pages without the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, it becomes life. It becomes nourishment in our innermost beings. It becomes the thing that solidifies our feet to be able to stand in a world that is dark, in a world that say there is no hope, in a world that say you are the God of yourself. It enables us to stand and not be thrown around by what the world comes and brings to us. That is why we devote ourselves to his word. And Ananias was a man like that, devoted. He wasn't trying to look a certain way. He was just wanting to know Jesus. Better and better. Second thing. A disciple is ready. See, because he was looking for the voice of Jesus. The moment that scripture in Acts 9 The moment that it says, let me just get it there. And a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision. The Lord just called him. Like I would call one of my girls and say, Papa Ann. Yes, Daddy. He was saying, Ananias. Ananias. Yes, Dad. Here I am, Lord. Answered him. He's ready. I want to ask you this morning. How ready are you for the voice of God? How ready are you for the voice of God to speak to you? Are you looking out for it? Or are you waiting for it to surprise you? I want to encourage us. Let's look out. Let's search out for the voice of God. Let's not be caught unaware I was so in just working through this, and it's a whole nother preach. But um, just so thinking of the ten virgins that stand with their lampstands. And some of them were ready, and some of them was not ready. And those who were not ready had to go find oil. But by the time they came back, it was already, this banquet was going, and they missed this, this, this slot. Are you ready for the voice of God to come and speak to you? 
Number three, a disciple is obedient. We see it in a nice life. He didn't just say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to fall over. Cool, you just do what you want to do. No, because it's not the type of relationship that God is looking for. No, God is looking for a relationship with me and with you. I want to say to us, God didn't need Ananias. God already spoke to Saul. He blinded him. I'm pretty sure that in that moment, if God said to Saul, Okay, Saul, so now you can see I'm truly real. Go forth and tell the people about Jesus. Saul probably would have gone on and done that. God could have taken the scales off his eyes, just like he shone his light upon him and engaged him in that day. But no, God chose Ananias. Because God has got a family and he's got people that he's involving. And each and every person that's part of his kingdom play a role. God doesn't need to prove how big he is. There's nobody that can stand against him. And so yet he comes in this way and he's saying, hey, come, be part of what I'm doing. My question to ask this morning is, do you really want to be part of what God is doing? Or do you just want to be the Christian that goes to the famous things and have the Facebook messages and listen to all these songs of worship on CDs, but actually you're never actually connecting to the one true living God? You're just having an emotional experience. It's not based on truth. It's a different gospel. God comes and he wants to speak to you and he wants to speak to me personally. And in that place, he's asking for those who are willing to obey him. Somebody read a scripture, I think it was Clint, in the prayer meeting. But being in the vine, being connected to the vine. It's like we obey him, we're connected to him. And number fourth. Four, number four, the fourth one. Sorry. The disciple is growing and maturing. So after Ananias said, Oh, God, you're asking a big thing of me. He stood up and he went. And when you read that scripture, in nine... And Ananias walked into the room, and you can imagine walking into this room, and you know that every person in this room is hell-bent on making sure that you end up in jail. And all that you have is this word from God where God has spoken to you and said, go and tell this man. I can imagine in my own heart, I would have gone, okay, how am I going to do this? Am I going to like put on a ninja suit so that I can catch Saul when he's least likely expected and none of his guys see me? I can just jump out and, hey, God spoke to me. Come, 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 let's quickly pray. Let's get you. I would scheme that thing. No, no, no. What did Ananias do? Ananias knew that God spoke. And so he went and he walked. And I can just see it. Him walking. To Saul, saying, brother, brother Saul, 
And that moment, I'm telling you now, it was insane growth probably happening in Ananias. Because not only did Ananias hear God, obey him, did what he asked to, but then in that moment, Ananias saw God's word to again be confirmed as true. And the scales fell off Saul's eyes. That is something that is like, it's major growth (laughs) happening in him. Have you ever prayed for somebody? You pray for something and you go like, Yo, I really feel like this thing. And then that person, you don't, didn't know about it. You didn't know about the situation. And then that person comes back to you or even in the moment starts crying. Oh, I've been dealing with this. And this. And like, Yo, this is a word from God. So thank you so much. And you're like, oh, no, no, cool. nothing, nothing. But on the inside, you're going like, oh, I can hear the voice of God. Yes, yes, yes. There's growth that happens. There's faith that is stirred in that moment. That is not a special thing. That is something that's a daily walk. That God wants to walk with me and he wants to walk with you in that way. For you to know that he is real and that he is so invested in each and every person that's sitting here in your life. He knows exactly where you are, exactly what you need. And all that he's asking you is come to me, listen to me, obey me. Follow me. He's not looking for people to look like a Facebook Christian. He's not looking for a suit and a tie. He's looking for those that are willing to follow him. I'm going to say it again. It's more important. It's less important. What was that quote of mine? (laughs) Can't remember it. It matters less that the world sees us as Christians. What matters more is that Jesus knows us as disciples. Let's close our eyes. I want us to take a moment. Your Vimpy Aaron. You guys can just come up. I want us to just take a moment or two. And just stay you by yourself. Forget about what you hear going on, but just you by yourself. I want to ask you to think about what are the areas in your heart that you know is not looking like Jesus. He doesn't speak of of Him, of His love, of His gospel, of His saving mercy. There's that area in your life that you know, like, I, I don't want people to touch that thing. I want to bring that thing into the light. What are people going to think about me? What are people going to say?
just there as you start recognizing that, those areas, I want to ask you that you offer it up to Him. And say, God, would you come and work in these areas? lose myself and I want to find you I want to look like you I want to follow your word I want to follow your voice God I want you Jesus I want you to say, God, help me to be open. Just like Ananias spoke to Paul, Saul, and he said to him, why, why wait? God has not done this thing in your life. Why wait? Go, get baptized. Do what God is saying, telling you to do. Saul needed Ananias to come and speak to him. Just like I need us and we need one another to walk out this road of discipling each other so that we look more like Jesus. Say, Jesus, I need you to help me. Jesus, help me to be humble. Help help me to hear your love through when leaders speak to me, when a friend speaks to me, when community leader speaks to me. Help me to hear your voice. Because I come just like Ananias to Saul saying, Brother, we're connected to Jesus, man. 